This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Blue Wire. What is up, everyone? Welcome back into Brown's Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR and writer for Cleveland.com. Just wanted to jump back in. It has been a while since I have put out a pod. Been a little bit of a crazy two-week personal whirlwind, so I apologize for that. But here we are. I want to talk Browns. And Wednesday, I was lucky enough to visit uh, visit OTAs, the first open mini camp uh, to the to the press, and uh, quite a few takeaways. I thought I, I I wanted to get up there. I was excited about seeing. The prospect of seeing Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry and sort of the whole picture of what this team will look like. Unfortunately, um, Odell decided not to be there uh, and Jarvis wasn't able to go. So the wide receiver group looked a little bit different. Rashard Higgins was on the side working on some things. Looks like he had a, a form of a calf issue, so he was unable to go. But nonetheless, it was still an informative day for me. And... Uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's. Well, first off, mini camp and the voluntary part of that. I just need to sort of reiterate that this is voluntary. These guys don't have to be here per what was bargained in the collective bargaining agreement. They don't have to be here, and the team can't hold them accountable for being here. So, it is advantageous for some players to be here and be receiving coaching and working towards getting on the roster. And it's advantageous for younger players, no matter their rookie first, second, or third year. But there are guys who have the ability, uh, special ability, and sometimes they have other commitments that they don't have to be there for. That's why this was bargained for. And if if Odell has other commitments that he would like to pursue up until the mandatory minicamp in a few weeks, more power to him. I have no issue with him missing that because the talent is there. And uh, this isn't about classifying players in a different level of preferential treatment any of these guys can miss time if they feel so inclined and uh don't want to be there duke johnson has chosen not to be there so these guys can make that decision uh, as they choose and uh it, it appears that those two guys are not altogether too concerned with being there right now and i don't think you should be concerned about it either because it's really not not a big deal i think freddie kitchens noted it after the practice that Obviously, he prefers everybody to be there, and I don't blame him for having that request. I mean, every coach wants all of their players to be in the building and working, but he also is understanding that they can't put any pressure on people to be there. It's, it's you know, any coach at any level, whether it's high school, college, or the NFL, are going to want all their players to be there, but they understand that they can't demand them to be there right now. So I would tell you this, panic in two weeks. If he's not there at mandatory minicamp, then there's something else going on. So until then, don't worry about it. Um, but let's talk about let's talk about minicamp or sorry the OTA. I thought it was uh, effectively run. The guys look comfortable around this new coaching staff. Really appreciated 
as things opened, just how Todd Monken approaches players, coaches players. I like his feel with the offenses. They were sort of running through, um, we used to call it uh, formation recognition, routes on air, just sort of a concept that is getting reps with the schemes and the play calls and all that, in and out of the huddle, run your route, get to your landmark, quarterback throw the football to your first or second read and go on from there. And I just really like to feel with Freddie, I like to feel with, with, uh, with Todd Monken, and, and I like that group. Uh, those two coaches dynamically coaching the offense and being the main voices was was good to see. Um, so that's the beginning of practice. You get into uh, indie drills. Jannard Avery went with the defensive ends, so he did not practice with the linebackers. First linebacker group uh, was at Sam was our Darius Taylor, the signee from Tampa Bay um, at Sam, and then you had Mike, Joe Schobert, and then Christian Kirksey was your will. They rotated Ray Ray Armstrong with the second group, and the young guys, Mac Ra- or sorry, Mac Wilson was at will. Uh, your Sam right in there, or sorry, your middle backer was Sione Takitaki, and then your um, your your Sam in that group was the other undrafted free agent who is who is Willie Harvey, who I really like. Uh, he moves extremely well. This undrafted kid out of Iowa State posted some 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 tape on him. Everything's there, testing-wise, in terms of the athlete he is. The tape is pretty solid. The production solid. Shorter arms, which might come into play a little bit, but that guy, that guy's a player, and I think he has a real shot to make the roster. So, something to keep your eye on is that name, Willie Harvey, and sort of being a depth linebacker, somebody who they might have hopes can be something more. Um, wide receiver-wise, you had Ratley and Willie's were your two main guys who who saw a majority of the time playing Z and X. You saw on the slot uh, a little bit of Blake Jackson. Antonio Callaway did practice too, so I'm sorry. Callaway spent a majority of the time at X, and then Willie's would rotate with him. Uh, but a really good day from Ratley. I liked how he, he was, I think, more so this year, getting in and out of cuts was a little bit more effective. Last year he was more of a long-speed guy. I just thought he was really effective getting out of cuts, made a ton of nice plays over the middle on deeper dig routes, so I liked that from him. Damon G, uh, Sheehy Giuseppe, the kid they signed, uh, sort of, I don't know, air quotes there, off the street from Phoenix College, liked his effort, he had a nice catch in Skelly, which is 7-on-7 seven seven on a corner route, which was good to see for him working with the twos, so uh, offensively, that's the gist of it, defensively, your first uh, first team defensive line, you were looking at uh, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, rotating between right end and left end, and we'll talk more about that next week, where those guys are lining up. It's a question that we threw out to them uh, uh, in the presser when we had a chance to talk to Olivier Vernon. Olivier says it's game plan related, so we will keep an eye on that. Um, uh, defensive tackle, Sean Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, your first group. Second group, uh, Trevon Coley was in your second group. Uh, you had a little bit of Devereaux Lawrence and Carl Davis rotating with that second group too. Uh, your defensive ends, Chad Thomas was your second group. D-end, uh, along with Chris Smith, Anthony Zettel got a little bit of time too. And uh, that's that's really what was going on up front. The big surprise in the secondary was that uh, with first team, first group out reps, uh, TJ Carey was playing outside and Jermaine Whitehead, the name you guys are probably not all too familiar with, he hasn't played a ton of snaps here, was playing slot. Um, he, he got a ton of action with the first team. Whitehead's been with Green Bay. He wears number 35. He's been with Green Bay. He's bounced around a little bit. He's with the Browns just last year. But somebody you probably didn't notice all too much. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be extremely interesting to see how they use him. Um, they did not play him, like I said, a ton of snaps last year. But he was rotating with the first team. Then they would bring in 
Terrence Mitchell would rotate with the first team, um, and they would then bump Carey back inside. But Whitehead they would then go play some strong safety too. So he is all over the place, Jermaine Whitehead, with the first team. So that's of note because I don't think many people expected that. And then with the second team, you had um, Sheldrick Redwine, Eric Murray, who they traded for uh, there for Emmanuel Ogba. And then you had Greedy Williams uh, playing one corner opposite of a couple different players. Where Thomas was one of them that they were playing opposite of. Um, and then also uh, saw a little bit of time from Philip Gaines. He had a nice play as well. Uh, young guys, Donnie Lewis, didn't see him pop very much, which that's okay. Uh, that's, you know, those guys who are going to get reps later on. We'll see about that. Denzel Ward had a nice practice. It's obviously fluid. Continues to be the corner that we think he can be. Offensive line-wise, your first team is as you would have expected. Corbett, Betonio, your guards. Treader, your center. And then Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard are your tackles. Desmond Harrison was out with an uh, uh, issue in his family. He will be back in the next few days, we're told. And then... Um, your second team tackle. So this is where it gets interesting to me because they're trying to figure out where their depth is going to be. So second team tackle, uh, your left tackle uh, in this situation was Kendall Lamb, the signee from the Texans. He played right tackle majority of the time for Texans last year. He'll do a little bit of both. So them using him swing tackle-wise to get work both spots was uh, not to be unexpected. Uh, then uh, Brad Seaton was your right tackle with that group. Big fellow who they signed to the practice squad last year. Not sure he's going to have a real chance to make the roster, but that's who they're going with the second team. Maybe if Harrison comes back, that changes. Your right guard with the second team was Kyle Kalis, Michigan kid, who Brown signed to the practice squad last year. He actually played some snaps at first team right guard. He would rotate his about 75-25 split with him and Corbett. So that was something worth noting, as we did not expect the, the right guard position to be challenged by Kalis, so they may have just been giving him a one-day look. You never know. And again, guys, these are one-day looks at these things. So, um, you know, things could change. They could have changed today at the third OTA. Um, they could change next week. You never know. Uh, just just going to kind of report to you guys what I'm seeing every single day. So, yeah, that's, that's who was your right guard. Uh, center uh, in the second group was uh, Eric Cush, the signing from, from, from Chicago. Connections back to Kansas City, and then Brian Winsman was your right guard. So they have uh, some of those guys who are going to be in the interior, Winsman and Kush, you're going to have to figure out where they're playing, but it just seems like they sort of pigeonholed that way. I'll keep keep that in, in mind as next week I go and see if those things change at all. But that's sort of the look of what you're getting for second team-wise. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's fluid, changes day-to-day. Coaches could just be looking at where guys fit long-term. Just giving them different looks at different positions, I'm not entirely sure. You never know what they're thinking or what their depth chart looks like or what coaches in this time of year who are really just trying to get guys mental reps because they're not wearing pads. They're just wearing helmets, so you don't get any run game action. So it's hard to feel sort of what the line is looking like or how they're performing because you don't you don't really know. Um, but it's you don't get much run game in this stuff either. So it's a ton of passing game this time of year. I will give you the note Drew Forbes was playing a ton of guard. So um, not sure that the tackle fit will be there for him or their plan is to use him at tackle at any point at all they might just streamline him as the guard that they think he can be and maybe he can compete there and uh, progress this year and be a, a future component in the interior of the Browns offensive line and then kicking game battle I thought each kicker was kicking well they both missed a field goal apiece Greg Bryant and Austin Seibert 
we'll just have to pay attention to that as it goes. It's going to be fluid. They're going to give both equal kicks, but they're going to have to make a tough decision at some point, probably comes in the preseason, let both of them get out there and kick in the preseason. I would imagine Cyber will be given every chance to win that job if he can because they spent actual draft capital to bring him in. So keep around that. But I did like how the football came off Cyber's foot, and I thought he, he kicks off extremely effectively, putting the ball back of the end zone each time. Garrett Gilbert, uh, sort of a eh, just a fine practice. I did Nothing stood out necessarily. I thought Drew Stanton looked much more crisp, which is what you would probably expect in this situation um, as, the, as the backup quarterback. Baker looks different. He looks bigger, thicker, stronger. I don't think he's in any way looks out of shape. Some people try to claim that he looks sort of chubby. I don't get that vibe. I think he looks like a bigger, stronger guy ready to wear some of the hits that take, take their toll on quarterbacks. And uh, I think he actually probably is that 215, 220 area if you put him on a scale. Uh, noticeably bigger, um, noticeably more comfortable, noticeably leading this team. The voice on offense comes from him. There was a skirmish between Lindsey Pipkins and Derek Willies and you know, Baker's the voice. He's the leader of this team at the, just the age of 24 years old, and that was really good thing to see who steps up and who talks on the offensive side of the ball when things get tough. He's doing that. So uh, everything you want him to be, he is that right now, which is good to see, and you feel good about it. Ball jumps out of his hand still, liked his ball placement. Did throw one interception in, in Skelly on a bad throw into the into a curl flat situation, but, you know, it happens. You try to figure out and iron out those things now. But a really good day, threw the ball well. And uh, effective Kareem Hunt, uh, just a reminder, very good football player. I tweeted that out. Uh, he, he's, I'm going to talk to Mary Kay about this in a minute, but he's a step above, man. You forget how good that guy is, the things he has done as a professional football player. He is extremely good, and the Browns have him compared uh, to their situation over the years past. Now you have Kareem Hunt, and now you have Nick Chubb, who Nick Chubb looks like. Nick Chubb 2.0, he just looks stronger. Somehow he looks like a you know an even bigger mass of a human, and that that frame, compact frame he has, he just he looks good. So both of them look really good. It's going to be an exciting year for the Browns backfield. It looks like they're both splitting some first team reps in this uh, in this OTA session. We'll see. Freddie at the end of the of the of the session did not say they have a clear answer on what the NFL is going to do. With Kareem during the first eight weeks, the Browns have requested to keep him around the facility, to keep him engaged with everything going on, but they don't seem to have a clear answer there. So that is really the sum of what I saw the first media session OTA that we are available to see. We will get back in next Wednesday, and we will discuss any differences between week one and week two at that point. So I try to tweet as much as I can while I'm there, give you guys live information, give you guys as much a feel for if you were there yourself, you could take those things in too. So hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, but now I want to jump over to our guest, somebody who is a um, colleague of mine now at Cleveland.com as we, we both uh, do work on the Browns. And you know, she's, a, she's a legend in the beat writing industry here. And, and I'm, I'm lucky to have Mary Kay Cabot on. So let's jump over to her interview now. All right, guys, excited to welcome in for the first time on Browns Film Breakdown, Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay Cabot is obviously, as you all know, in Browns uh, Twitter universe, the beat writer at Cleveland.com, who I also contribute to. So um, I'm excited to have her on. Mary Kay, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? 
I can't complain. Can't complain. It's uh, just fresh off of OTAs yesterday. We were both there. So I wanted to, to pick your brain about some of this stuff. I want to um, first ask you about rookie, uh, rookie minicamp the week before. I was not able to go up to that. Uh, you guys had some great coverage. So just sort of the vibe at, at rookie camp, what you, uh, what you noticed, anything you picked up on maybe Greedy Williams or Sione Taki Taki, anything like that. Well, first of all, uh, you know, it was good to see all these guys out there for the first time to see if they passed the eyeball test. That's the first thing I like to do is look at them and see, do they look like a football player? And obviously, for the most part, uh, when you've got John Dorsey and Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf doing the drafting, uh, these guys are going to look the part. So they did do that, uh, and that was good. You know, it's hard to make too many sweeping conclusions from a, a practice where there are no pads and no contact and stuff like that. But you can pick up some things. And, you know, I thought Greedy showed, obviously, his really good speed. Uh, Taki Taki, he was very, very active. He was all over the place. He's got a lot of instincts, a lot of energy. And, uh, you know, he goes from sideline to sideline. And he just really kind of has a nose for the play and a nose for the ball. So while I watch him, Sheldrick Redwine, you know, he's got the good size. He's got – he's also – got really good instincts. He's also a ball hawk. Uh, it was good to watch him and, and kind of see him looking the part out there. And again, at OTAs yesterday, uh, then you move on to Mac Wilson. Uh, actually, I haven't written this yet, but I talked a little bit to Nick Saban, uh, who I go way, way back with Nick Saban. Uh, I have, have a few funny stories about that, but um, had a chance to talk to him a little bit about Mac Wilson yesterday. I think more than anything, I think he wishes that Mac would have stayed around for at least another year. He was only a one-year starter there, uh, yeah. but he did have good things to say about Mac Wilson. So those are some of the things. Good, yeah. I think that I think that Browns fans should be excited about this draft as a whole. I, I I noticed yesterday that those three linebackers, including Willie Harvey, the Iowa State kid, they kept around from rookie camp. Were in a group together, and they they look good. They look fluid. And the best part of it all is, in my opinion, Mary Kay, is that they don't have to rush those guys on the field, right? That's, that's exactly right. They don't have to rush them out there. They've got some good depth. And, and I think that one of the things that they really tried to add to this defense this year was a little bit of that nastiness, a little bit of toughness, a little bit of experience. So you're seeing some things like that in guys that, you know, that maybe they felt that they were lacking in that before. So when you have a Sheldon Richardson out there and you've got an Olivier Vernon and you have a cocky cocky, and there's just a different vibe on defense. And Freddie was right with you. We were talking about the fact that the defense has kind of fallen under the radar a little bit because everybody's so excited about Odell and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think Browns fans are going to love this Cleveland Browns defense this year. Couldn't agree more, um, especially with some of those names you mentioned. Olivier Vernon, he got a chance to talk yesterday, and um, – you know, Sheldon Richardson, I think he caught a radio bit for a minute. Just those big names. What have do you know, sort of yesterday we didn't get a chance to see Odell. He wasn't there. Jarvis was out in the ball cap. Um, just sort of what are any little anecdotes you picked up from practice? Any observations you made that stood out to you? Well, you know, there, there were actually a lot of things. Again, I did end up finding myself watching the defense a lot, looking out there and seeing Demarius Randall and Morgan Burnett working together at safety and thinking that I really like that combination. I like that a lot. Uh, then I think, and of course you were there, so you saw Kieran Mitchell was very active, and, you know, he made some plays. And I think that, you know, T.J. Carey and Terrence Mitchell 
are not going to give up that starting job to Greedy Williams without a really good fight. Now, of course, you need a lot of good defensive backs, and uh, they're going to get a lot of those guys on the field early and often. But they have the depth there at the position now, especially, of course, if Terrence Mitchell stays healthy, Denzel Ward comes back strong from his concussions. Uh, but they have a lot to work with there now in the secondary. And I think that's good for Steve Wilkes because he's got a secondary background. He comes from uh, the world of defensive backs, and uh, that's how he came up in this business. And I think those guys, they're going to improve their tackling. They're going to look a lot better when it comes to the run support, which is obviously very, very necessary for this football team. Uh, but those are some of the things that I was watching. And, again, you know, I was disappointed and we'll talk, I'm sure, more about this. I was a little disappointed that Baker was throwing to uh, Damian Ratley and, and Antonio Callaway instead of Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Jarvis, who has a little bit of an injury. Uh, so he couldn't be out there. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, you didn't see offensively some of the things that you are going to see out of the wideout position coming up. Uh, but it was fun to watch the running backs. Boy, that's going to be a really, really great position and such good competition this year. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. You're talking about depth on defense. You, you, I think the thing that stood out to me as I go and I watch and, and you forget that Kareem Hunt is on the ground. Like, he is phenomenal. Like, one-on-one -on -one drills, you're watching him just really terrorize linebackers, which is what he's done in his career. And there are people that make the mutterings about, well, the Chiefs play in just a sort of system that any running back can flourish in. Do you get that vibe with Kareem Hunt? And sort of how do you think that running back situation shakes out as week eight creeps up in the season? Well, you know, it's going to be very interesting. But what I do know is this. When a really good football player shows up on your doorstep, a Pro Bowl-type football player, he stands out on the field. And you can tell instantly that there is something special about this player. And that's how it was with Kareem Hunt yesterday. You could just tell that he is a notch above most other players, and that's what it's going to be when we see Odell out there. I mean, you can just tell that they are something special, and that's what he was. That's what he showed, even in his route running, and like you said, the way he attacked uh, the linebackers yesterday. Uh, you know, he, he's fast. He's explosive. I think he's also very hungry, and we got a chance to talk to him afterwards, and I will tell you, uh, you know, he still has a lot of work to do, but I thought he was humble. I thought he was sincere. I thought, you know, I believed what he was saying, that he's trying really hard. I like the fact that he's going out and talking to high school students and things like that. So, uh, you know, I basically bought into the whole, you know, Kareem redemption story yesterday. Which I don't, I don't think anyone's at fault for doing. I mean, what happened was heinous. We all know it. It doesn't take anybody who's a genius to know that that's a situation somebody should never find themselves acting out in. But at the end of the day, I think that people deserve a second chance, and I hope that Kareem uh, can do the right things uh, to make up for that. And like you said, he is doing the right things. So it's it should be exciting to see sort of where not just the football player goes, but where the person goes and uh, sort of how he reshapes himself. And if he does stick to those vows to continue to be out in the community like he's talking about and is doing – um, which is which is good to see. So the vibe around Mayfield. So do you think um, you've spent more time with them this off season than any of us being up around there? I mean, just sort of what do you think of year two for him? Where do you think it shakes out? 
Well, you know, when I when I think about year two for him, I expect him to make another big jump, and he's going to have to do that. Now, of course, the supporting cast around him is going to be better, but it's going to have to be better because, you know, I say this a lot. When I look at those last eight games, he did some amazing things. Uh, he exceeded expectations. He came up the learning curve extremely quickly. However, uh, he did not play some of the best defenses in the NFL last year, and I do think – that that's a factor. And I think that, you know, maybe you might disagree with me on that a little bit. I probably feel a little bit more strongly about that uh, than you do, or maybe I do. I'm not sure. But I do think that uh, he's going to face tougher defenses than the Cincinnati Bengals twice and the Atlanta Falcons and the Denver Broncos when they were basically down uh, to smoke and mirrors at cornerback. So, you know, teams are going to be gunning for him this year. He's going to have to be on top of his game. But I do think that with Todd Munkin coming in, I think he will run more air raid concepts that Baker feels comfortable with. I think that Freddie will build on some of those great things that he did last year. And again, now he's got uh, Odell Beckham Jr. to throw the ball to, and everybody will be in their second year in this system mostly. Uh, So I think everyone will be a little better. Yeah, this, I mean, I, I can anybody who logical about the the last half of the year has to understand exactly what you're saying is factual. That they were playing teams, whether it was like you said, Denver, Cincinnati, who was completely obliterated with injuries, uh, all the way to Carolina and through and through. Like they were just playing teams that weren't. Uh, I, I guess I would say clicking, and the teams that were clicking a little bit, like the Texans, uh, were teams that Baker found some trouble against. So you're you're right about that. I'd be fascinated from my end. Like you said, some of the other things that work in his favor and improve supporting cast, a big-time wide receiver, his year two development, how that all sort of counterbalances, you know. So um, you're right. He's got to make a jump. I think the jump would be trying to get 235-ish touchdowns and cut down on some of those mistakes he made. But I think people think it's a given, and quarterback progress is not always linear. So it'll be fascinating to see if he does take that year two leap that so many are expecting – or, like you said, if some teams start to figure out what he does best and how can we take that away from him. So I will be fascinated with that. I got one more question for you before we part. What uh, what position battle are you most fascinated with? Oh, that's a great one. Um, let me think about that. Well, you know, actually, the position battle that I am most fascinated with right now uh, really surrounds the running back position. Like you mentioned before, what is going to happen when Kareem Hunt comes back to this football team and they've got Nick Chubb there? I mean, before then, you know, there are some other battles going on, none that are, like, really compelling or pressing. But I think one of the most important and key battles will be when Kareem Hunt comes back uh, after his eight-game suspension, what's going to happen with Nick Chubb, Kareem, and Duke Johnson, who we didn't even really get a chance uh, to mention very much because not 100% sure that he's even going to be around at that point. But I think that's probably the most compelling position on the team because you've got Nick, who was the uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus's number one rated running back last year, and then you've obviously got a tremendous talent in Kareem Hunt. How are you going to divide up the workload? I think that they'll probably have those guys both on the field at times together. Maybe you'll even see Duke out there uh, with the two of them at some point. I would never put anything past Freddie Kitchens in that regard. Uh, (laughs) But you've also got a very pass-oriented offense. And uh, so, yeah, that's the one I will be watching. 
Good stuff. Mary Kay Cabot, uh, the uh, Browns beat reporter there for Cleveland.com. Thanks for joining me, Mary Kay. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, guys. Well, we will uh, we'll come back with you next week. Uh, I'll try to give you some feedback after we watch the next week's OTA. Jump back in if you can. Throw up five stars. Give us a review there on iTunes. We always appreciate those. And, uh, yeah, we'll get through this dry spell in football up until – uh, mini camps a couple weeks away, and then training camp is not too far off after that. But we'll plug through. So, again, thanks to Mary Kay. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.